Hi and welcome to this week's episode of Talk Talk. It's been an exciting week in football with the AFL announcing the return of the season on Thursday 11th of June and with all clubs returning to restricted training this week. As for the Waverley Park Hawks and our league, the SMJFL, there's also great news with restricted training due to commence next week, so it looks promising that the season will go ahead, possibly starting in late June or July. In this week's episode, we talked to Nick Thompson, a member of the club's football operations group, about the logistical issues the club will face with training and matches when the season commences. We have a chat to Jacinda Kimberley, one of our under-16 girls, and her mother, Diana. And in our final interview, we talked to under-15s coach Matt Fole about his passion for international sport and live concert events, as well as a little football. Now we welcome our first guest, Nick Thompson, who many of you would possibly know via his personal training work at both Good Life and his own business, Built Fit. He's also a member of the club's football operations group and under 14 girls assistant coach. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Nick, you're a member of the football operations group, as I said. Can you let our audience know a little about what this group does? Basically, uh, the probably the main function is appointing and assisting monitoring our coaches. We're working on things like uh, making sure we have better development programs for the kids with their... So we have a bit more structure around what skills the kids learn as they go through the age groups. As the kids get a bit older, we have we have team selection processes across the two. You know, if there's two teams in an age group, we have a, a higher and a lower division side. So that's, a, that's a, one of our biggest functions there is trying to work out work through the process of nominations with the players and parents and families to, to create those two teams or designate those two teams. And then any once the season is up and running um, and we've got uh, you know uh, training timetables that we do, feedback to the league around fixtures um, and, and the like. And then once the season's up and running, it's more really any things that might come out of a week to week basis so out of the out of the games on Sundays usually so uh, whether there's been any incidents in games any things that we need to highlight that are great or any things that we need to try and get out not happening again <laughs> so that that's pretty much it okay so who are the members of the footy operations group and what are their various roles yeah so at the moment we have El Visic, who many will know, who's the vice president of the football club, and he's in charge of the football operations, if you like. And then we have myself, uh, Mick Mastromano, who's just come on board this season, Brendan Mann, Gary Cassidy, and Nigel Stevenson. So Nigel is our girls coordinator, and we have our myself. I sort of help mainly focus on the older age groups this year, under, four to, under 15s and up. We have... Brendan Mann does the groups, um, the early age groups, and Mick does the middle, so under 12s to 14s, I think it is at the moment. So we'll meet, make, have our discussions, debates, and work things out at a committee level, if you like, and then each individual coordinator will then go and implement those things with their age groups and be the available feedback point for parents and coaches and club and team officials for their age groups. Club has put a priority on developing the coaches this season. Can you tell us a little bit about why the club thinks coaching development is important and what plans or programs did the club have in place for this season? 
the Waverley Park Hawks Football Club is uh, what we what we like to look at as a participation based sporting club. So we want everybody to get a fair go, and we want everybody to. The main focus is enjoyment and fun for the kids. However, we also really want to make sure that in that that we're doing everything we can to make sure that the football skills develop of our players. And this is possibly something that gets missed a little bit if you, when you try and create a very fair and equitable environment for all players. So we need to make sure that we get as much skill and development into the kids as we can at training um, and that our, ga- our coaches have a good system in place to run their game day programs. So those are the things that we really want to work on and improve um, because we're well aware now that times are a little bit different. I'm talking from a pre-isolation um, perspective here, but times are very different from whenever a lot of us grew up. And we would you know, go and kick the footy pretty much every afternoon, every evening and at lunchtime every day. And, and that really doesn't happen these days. So the kids can often be, if they train with us once a week, play on a Sunday, those might be the only two times that they actually touch a football through the week. So we really want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to improve the development that they get while they're in, while they're here at those times. So that's gen- that's why I think it's so important. And then some of the things that we've done over the past couple of seasons, we've had some some workshops with the coaches from from a third party group, been which have been good. But we're still working on improving things. We'd had lined up this season a program that Chris Connolly, the ex-AFL coach, uh, runs, which is all, all online-based, and the coaches can access training plans and drill drills, videos, educa- uh, education via this online software. And a lot of it, there's some things that kids can do at home via an app as well, and uh, we really like it. We had it lined up, as I said, ready to go, but obviously things changed leading into this season, but it's certainly something that we'll be looking at going forward. Okay, thanks, Nick. AFL Victoria announced that training can commence from next week. It means the season's likely to begin, say, in late June or, or early July. Do you see any issues that the group may face being ready for round one, or has most of the planning and work been done prior to the COVID-19 restrictions? I don't see that we'll have any major issues getting up and running. There will definitely be issues, and there's definitely things to work through. Most of the planning for the season was pretty much in place. There was a few little details left to work out. But most of the things were ready to go. Obviously, we now we now have a very different season to approach. So there'll be a few things I think that we need to work through with parents and team officials. A lot of that will be around roles of the officials on the day. So where will the trainer have to stand? Where will the coach stand? All these things, yeah, you know, we will we'll need to be guided by the league as to what happens. But I think it's going to be quite a different environment. Will we use train change rooms at all? Yeah, things will be quite different, I'm sure. And a lot of that will just have to, while there'll be issues, I'm not sure it's any huge issues that we need to sort of work through and implement. It'll simply be, this is the rules as set out by the league. Isn't it fantastic that we still get to play and how lucky we are that we actually get to run out and play? And I think everybody will be pretty keen to just take whatever the new guidelines are for the season and just run with it. So I think that'll be okay. But I'm... Certainly the, the training is going to be a very different scenario from what we've had in the past. Probably the biggest one. Game days, I think, will be we'll just work through them. Football operations team is meeting tomorrow night to really try and work through and finalise plans for training. So we've got to get council input there about what grounds we have access to and what days and or what nights, I should say. 
the limits are groups of 10 plus a coach if I'm if memory serves so it's not it's 10 kids in total plus an official however there can only be two groups on the oval at any one time so uh, we can't have you know three and four teams training at the same time like we have in the past so what I think we're going to have to do is accept that there's going to be less training for our teams maybe shorter sessions and obviously they'll be broken up and I think what will determine the teams that perform to the best of their ability this year, the, the big difference between one team and the next, um, and for any of those under 14, 15 and 16 kids that are sitting at home who want to take things a little bit more seriously, um, this is the time for you to open your ears. Um, what will determine the difference between us, you know, your team and others, is how much work you do at home by yourself. So that those who want to want to take it a bit more seriously and and I certainly have no issue with that whatsoever but but those that want to be um, you know getting the absolute best out of themselves which is really what we should all be doing in everything we do yeah it's 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 definitely going to be the onus on those players and families to to do a bit more work at home which is why the club is working on things like the zoom uh, fitness sessions which have been well attended mainly by the younger kids um, and now trying to roll out some skills, videos and things that, that uh, families can do at home as well. Thanks, Nick. Look, I think everyone in the club and every, everyone who follows football or is involved in any winter community sport will just welcome being able to get back on the park and actually play and participate. I want to ask you a couple of this or that type questions to finish with. Now, you're a staunch Collingwood fan, aren't you? Yes. Okay. So I just want uh, single word answers to the following. Okay. Carlton or Essendon? Essendon. Nathan Buckley or Scott Pendlebury? Buckley. Severio or Anthony Rocker? Ooh, Anthony. 1990 or 2010? 2010. And finally, if Collingwood doesn't win the flag, who do you think will win the Premiership? Oh, it's, geez, it's hard to go past the Tigers. They've been amazing, haven't they? Yeah, I think the same thing will happen as what I just spoke about, is that you might find that there was a team that really wasn't that flash last year and between them they've resolved that while they've been in isolation they are going to go off by themselves and absolutely train their bums off and they might come back the fittest of the lot and the best prepared of the lot and uh, and surprise a few people so yeah but you can't go past the Tigers. Thanks Nick really appreciate your time let us hope we get back to football soon all the best with the uh, under 14 girls as well and the football operations group and it'd be a little bit remiss of me if I didn't thank you on behalf of the club for the efforts you put in in organising the Zoom fitness and skills workouts. It's been greatly appreciated by the club and I think to all those who have participated. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. Just a reminder about our competition to find players to help co-host the program. If you are a player and think you would make a good co-host of our show, simply record an audio or video clip telling us why you should co-host Hawk Talk. Once you've done that, email it to podcast at wphawks.org.au before the end of May. The winner will be announced during the first episode in June, so get your entries in and good luck. Our next guests are Jacinta and Diana Kimberley. Jacinta is one of our under-16 girls and Diana is her mother. 
we'll start by talking to Jacinta first. Welcome to Hawk Talk, Jacinta. Thank you very much. For, thanks for having me. Like a lot of girls who have taken up football, you were of an older age, 14 or 15, when you first started playing competitive football. How was that and did you have any concerns about joining a club and playing football competitively when you first started? Yeah, well, I was, um, it was interesting. I was a bit worried about starting with like meeting a new group with people and I was still quite young. I was only 14. Well, I was a bit older, but I was 14 when I started playing and I was a bit worried about how much contact was involved in the game. But it was really good when my first training session, everyone was so lovely and so supportive. I just wanted to come back and I was ready to play the next day. I was really into it. Okay, so what brought you to play football? Like, is football a part of your family? Do you go out and kick, kick the footy with your, with your family? Or do you sit on the couch and watch TV? Or do you go to games? Like, what, where did your interest in football come from? Well, when... Well, before I started playing, I none of my family really was into footy at all, but my pa, my pa played when he was younger and I always wanted to try it because I used to play um, at lunchtimes with some friends and I thought I'd just give it a try. So I did and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. Now, did you have any reasonable footy skills when you started or has it been a really steep learning curve for you and have, have these skills developed quickly since you began playing? Yeah, well, I was always really into sport, but I could never find the right sport. And I was re- I'm really good at running. So I was trying to find a sport that involved running. So I did with footy, and but I was pretty good at kicking too, but my um, accuracy wasn't great <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> so I had to work on that a lot. And But I put um, a lot of time and effort into it and spent a lot of hours uh, trying to get my skills up <laughs> better. So I did and I did, had a lot of help from one of the coaches uh, at the club called Brad and he helped me improve my skills. So how is your foot skills now in terms of hitting a target? Uh, they're a lot better, yeah, but a lot of time and effort went into it, but it was worth it definitely. You're obviously very passionate about your football. I can hear that just in your voice. So what is it that you enjoy so much about the game? Probably working together as a team and being able to to accomplish things together and working together. And also, I love the running in it. I love the tackling and the contact of the game and probably winning and kicking goals and working as a team to get that, to reach that goal, basically. You're aware that training will commence uh, next week, albeit with some restrictions. Have you been doing anything during the, the COVID-19 lockdown to be ready for football's return? Yeah, well, I've been trying. I've been trying to keep fit by um, doing running because at my new school, I go to Cedar Footy School. We um, have to do a activity, uh, fitness activity, one uh, once once a day, and we have to either go for a run or do a fitness workout. And I've been doing that every day, which has helped me keep up my fitness. And I've been having going and having a kick by myself if no one could go with me. So trying to keep the fitness up. Oh, that's really good to hear. Now, just just briefly explain to me, um, you mentioned the new school, uh, Cedar. Some of us may not be aware of what that actually is. So can you just um, fill us in a little bit about what that college is? Yes, yeah, so it's a sports school and they have all different um, campuses and they all focus on different sports. So I'm in the AFL stream and at my campus we also have cricket and the cricket is involved with Melbourne Stars 
and we're linked with Collingwood, our campus, for our footy one. So which campus are you on? Uh, we're at Clayton campus. Thanks very much, uh, Jacinta, for your time. Really interesting to see that in three years you come from basically a novice at football to where you're now attending a school that's um, involved in, in football. So that's just a great story, Jacinta, and uh, thanks very much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Now we welcome Jacinta's mother to Hawk Talk. Welcome, Diana. Thanks for having me. No problem. common issue with girls' football is that many parents are concerned about their daughters playing. How were you when uh, Jacinta first thought about joining a football club? I was extremely nervous. She'd always been a horse rider and a runner, but I wanted her to do a group sport. And so when I said to her, what group sport do you want to do? She said footy. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't think so. Let's do softball. (laughs) Um, So she did softball for a couple of years. And the reason why I was concerned was because, A, I knew not not much about football, but B, um, the um, concerns about injuries. but we went to softball and she broke a couple of fingers doing that. So, you know, you can get injured in any sport. I think that's one of the things. And I'm really surprised at how many skills there are that they teach um, the kids. And they had some sessions in the first year about um, trying to minimise your injuries, like when you're in a tackle and a roll and different things like that. So there's lots of skills that the club gave her to help avoid injuries that um, I was really impressed with. Okay, that's good to hear uh, feedback about the club. But uh, now that Jacinta's been playing for a couple of years, do you still have those concerns? or? Um, I think the skills she's learnt, I, I, I think any sport and any physical sport, there's going to be the chance of an injury. And so that is something that you need to be aware of. But she's done some work with a physio to help with her balance because we worked out part of one of the reasons why she got injured in the first year, which she did, and it was fine and it was no problem, was because her balance wasn't great. But I'm not concerned about it anymore because it is something that comes with playing a game. But at the same time, there's things in place. There's the first aid. I ended up being the first aid officer last last um, time. So I've learned a whole lot of things about um, injuries and things like that. And most of them are really short term. They're they're not um, the things that I thought were injuries when, you know, I had all in my mind that, you know, people got injured and they could never play sport again or never do any of those those types of things again. I'm not concerned about the injuries at all anymore. Now, I heard you sit say that she's changed schools and she's now attending the uh, Cedar College in uh, Clayton. So obviously fo- football's sort of um, been a life changer for Jacinta. So what what, what sort of influence has it had on her and, and how has it improved her life? Oh, it's improved her life in, in so many different ways. It's improved her life from um, a school perspective because she's actually got an aim and a direction. Um, she really didn't know what she wanted to do after school. Now she wants to do something in football because she just loves it that much. The club's given her um, a, a group that she can be part of outside school, so rather than just being p- part of the school environment. She's grown in confidence as a result of the football I mean I can't get over the girl at home who, who's you know friendly and and so lovely and she gets out on the footy field and she's tough and she's rough and it's like this this contradiction but it just as a result her confidence is grown and her fitness has improved out of sight she's always been sporty and always been um, strong and fit and been a you know long distance runner and her fitness has just um, exploded and it, that in itself, just getting out there and getting physical has been fantastic for her as well. 
Thanks, Diana. Appreciate your time. It's a great story coming to football at a late age, and uh, it's obviously had a large impact and influence on her life. So I'd just like to thank you both for being part of the program. Just a reminder about the Toyota Good for Football raffle, where the $5 proceeds from each ticket go directly to the club. This will be our only major fundraiser this season, so we'd ask you to purchase tickets. And also share the link to buy tickets with your family and friends. You can find the link to purchase tickets on the club's website and via a pinned post on our Facebook page. Also, a further shout out to our sponsors who have stuck with us for 2020. Our major sponsors, Mulgrave Country Club and OpenCore, Keep a lookout for a significant announcement about open core sponsorship of the club very soon. And our gold sponsors, Wagley Park Physiotherapy, Pinewood Community Bank, Melbourne Payella Company, Stevenson Financial Group, Mick Mastromano Liberty Advisor, Seal Performance Batteries and the Stadium Fish and Shippery. We truly appreciate your ongoing support in this difficult time. Our final guest this week is Matt Fole, our under-15 boys coach. Now, I'm not Jared Wakeley, and this is not SEN, but welcome to Hawk Talk, Matt. Thanks, Lindsay. It's a, a pleasure to be a part of Hawk Talk. Now, you were interviewed by Jared Wakeley on SEN to get a fan's perspective when you are at the 2018 Soccer World Cup. You have a real passion for all sports, basketball, AFL, and the Australian Tennis Open locally, but also the EPL, NBA, NFL... Where does this passion for all things sport originate and which, if there is one, is your favourite sport or league amongst them all? Uh, yeah, look, it, uh, in terms of passion for sport, it's really just come from probably, uh, you know, uh, my upbringing. Uh, I grew up in Adelaide and uh, attended a lot of sport over there with, with my dad and some of my fondest memories were, were going to the footy as a, as a little kid and, um, you know, running around with mates at the football and running on the ground and having a kick at half time and, and those sorts of bits and pieces after the game, having a kick, um, you know, going to the Adelaide Oval, um, you know, we uh, used to go with some friends, you carry a little esky with our little cans of Coke and sandwich and sit on the hill and watch the, uh, the, the one days over the Australia Day weekend. And, uh, and I guess, you know, um, when you grow up, you, you know, develop those memories and have those experiences. It sort of grows through into your adult life as well. And, um, you know, once I sort of stopped playing sport um, and, uh, yeah, that's the sort of passion just stems from there. And in terms of travelling and overseas sport, it's a, uh, if you can blend the two of uh, a holiday, a travel experience, a sport experience, is, uh, there's nothing better for me. Regarding the, uh, the the number one sport, it's probably, I'd have to say it's AFL and it's, it's just the fact that it's a unique sport. Um, you know, it's the only one sort of biomechanically where you've got your, your hand uh, and foot coordination you know, you can be tackled and hit from 360 degrees. Um, you know, it's a fast sport. You know, the ball moves from end to end. Um, you know, it's, it's very unique in terms of uh, sports around the world. And the fact that we can jump on a train, you know, uh, you know, and, and be at the MCG you know, within 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and, uh, you know, sitting down with 80,000 other fans um, yelling and screaming and carrying on. And the good thing about Aussie rules, I guess, versus other sports is the fact that you can sit next to the opposition supporters and, you can get stuck into each other during the game, and then afterwards you can walk off and you're still best friends, which is a little bit unique. Interesting you picked AFL. I was actually expecting you to say basketball. Yeah, well, well, basketball, uh, like I really enjoy basketball. Um, uh, you know, and, and 
you know, being lucky enough to see a couple of NBA games, it's, uh, you know, it is a really big, uh, it's an amazing spectacle. Um, but it's, it's probably what we've grown up with. I mean, you know, the fact that Aussie rules is our national sport and, uh, you know, let's be honest, Australia's, you know, the best country in the world. So it's our national sport and, and it's just ingrained within our culture. It's, it's, it's really unique. You just, you just said you've been to a few NBA games so, and you've been to a lot of international sporting events, including that 2018 World Cup. Which one is the actual highlight? Which is which is the one that's topped a lot that you've seen so far? Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty fortunate, and uh, I guess yeah, it's um, yeah, uh, seeing a lot overseas has been great fun. But uh, you know, going and seeing my my uh, LA Chargers, or back then they were the San Diego Chargers, seeing them play down in San Diego was a lot of fun. Um, I was lucky enough to see Kobe play uh, on uh, on a, one of our trips to the states. It was in a season game, but that was pretty special. So it's it's. You know, it's the event, but also the, uh, you know, the athletes themselves. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been lucky enough to see um, LeBron play as well a couple of times. Um, but, um, yeah, in terms of the number one event, it's probably going back to the 2006 World Cup. Uh, and uh, my wife and I went over and we were, we were just fluked. We were there for, um, we jumped on a plane. We spent more time in the air than we did on the ground. And we managed to catch uh, two Socceroos games, and one of them happened to be the Socceroos versus Croatia, which we needed to draw to go through to the knockout stages. And, of course, it was our first World Cup for 32 years that, that, that the, uh, the, the country qualified for. And, uh, yeah, Harry Kuehl, uh, one of our all-time greats, you know, slotted uh, number two late in the game to, to equalise against Croatia and put us through to the knockouts. That was just an amazing experience that I'm, I'm not sure that uh, we'll ever top again. There's probably a few more international sports that you'd uh, like to attend. What sporting events are still on your bucket list? It's a pretty big bucket list. Uh, we've already, you know, we've we've done a fair job in ticking quite a few off. But you know, things like uh, you know getting to Wimbledon would be pretty special. Uh, you know, we do make the effort to go to the Australian Open every year, so getting over to Wimbledon would be great. The Tour de France. Uh, not that I'm much of a bike rider, but it's just an amazing event. That uh, you know that you just you know it's a showpiece for France really, and that'd be fantastic to be able to. To see that, and Ashes in in the UK would be pretty special. Um, love to go to an NBA playoff, uh, Champions League final if uh, if Manchester United can ever make one again, and um, your know, World Cup final. Uh, that wouldn't really matter who's playing. Um, you know, been to two World Cup uh, soccer events now, but going to the final would be pretty special. But the number one for me would have to be the Super Bowl. You know, if I could get to a Super Bowl at some stage in my life, that would just be that would be amazing. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of AFL Grand Finals, and and you know that they are amazing. Uh, experiences whether your team's playing or not and if your team's playing there's just that little bit extra on top but a Super Bowl would just be uh, that would be pretty special Now I also know apart from international sporting events that you're into attending a lot of live concerts and international performers pretty eclectic mix I've had a look on uh, your social media pages and we've got Rick Astley and Aha Elton John Queen with uh, Adam Lambert Sean Mendes Red Hot Chili Peppers Eminem and Aerosmith that's a pretty eclectic mix where does the passion for live music come from yeah you, yeah you've, that's a nice little uh, nice little summary uh, there's plenty of others but you're right it's it is a blend of family and uh, and friends really we, we, we I guess we we my wife's uh, uh, family's pretty musical so uh, you know father-in-law's a, uh, her father sorry's as a guitarist, and her uh, uh, two sisters play the guitar. Her brother's a drummer. Um, so, yeah, music's in the family, and um, yeah, we see music very much in live events, very much as similar to a sporting event. Uh, it's that entertainment factor, uh, and you know, an experience. You know, and we go as a as a group generally. Um, 
to different concerts, different genres, and uh, you know we, we we really enjoy it. So you know we're involving the kids now as well. So uh, you know they've come and uh, witnessed a few, uh, uh, let's say, sort of seventies and eighties rock and roll experiences um, <laughs> with some of the older bands that that just keep coming out to Australia or from Australia that just keep playing. So yeah, it's uh, they're they're all good fun. So what's been your favourite live performance? Uh, well, look, ACDC is always, always a great show. And, uh, you know, I, I do remember the first time uh, you know, we took uh, Cameron, actually, to, uh, to ACDC concert a couple of years back. Um, that opened his eyes to, uh, to the world of uh, rock and roll. Um, we are lucky enough to catch uh, um, Aerosmith in, in Vegas on a trip to the States last year. Uh, that, was, that was sensational. But um, probably number one for me has been when I was lucky enough to see my all-time favourite, uh, Van Halen. So... Um, caught them in Sydney at a festival up there called the Stones Festival, uh, which was out at the um, ANZ Stadium. Yeah, so that was that was pretty special. Uh, is there any act that you would have liked to have seen that you haven't seen, or is there still one that you'd like to see live? I mean, I haven't been able to catch uh, Sammy Hagar, who was a singer of uh, Van Halen as well. We actually had a uh, tickets booked to a concert that he was putting on a, a last year in. Um, uh, in the US when we're over there, but he actually cancelled on us. But look, there's one you know that's uh, that was sort of regret not seeing, I guess, and had the opportunity as a as a youngster. I oh, don't even know it was probably before I was actually working. Uh, so when Michael Jackson came out, yeah, never got to see Michael Jackson at all, and yeah, just uh, just an amazing artist, really. That you know, from all reports, put on a sensational show. And I remember growing up watching all of his film clips and things like that. So uh, yeah, it's a, you know that that would be one if you could wind the clock back. Now, we are a football podcast, so maybe we should talk a little bit of football. You're well-respected and highly regarded as a junior coach in both basketball and football. What's your general philosophy and approach to coaching juniors? Uh, look, it's, it's just about it's about trying to make memories, I guess. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, some of my fondest memories as a child was, was playing sport, and it's, you know, it's what, what, what got me out of bed every day and what I look forward to. I, you know, Monday to Friday for me was training and preparing for weekend sport. Um, and I guess that's, you know, in the way of the way I go about coaching is probably something similar. You know, um, the, the kids and the kids that are listening, you know, you're not kids forever. So, you know, you've got to enjoy your time, um, you know, enjoy the moments with, with your friends, you know, create some memories. So I mean, I just try and give the kids, you know, try and teach them a few things along the way, you know, give them an opportunity to enjoy themselves, give them an opportunity to, to participate and make those memories with their friends and, you know, when they're our age or uh, or whatnot, you know, I'm sure that you know some of them will still be in touch with each other, and they'll be they'll be sitting around socially and you know talking about you know um, it, it often comes up you know what you did as a kid, and you know I'm still in touch with a couple of guys that I played junior footy with and was lucky enough to win a couple of grand finals, and you know it still comes up in conversation from time to time. Yeah, it's a, it is about the memories, and I think the whole conversation that you and I are just having now, um, talking about your international sports, talking about uh, your, your musical events. And junior football, it's all the same thing. It's about creating creating memories. Um, now, we're excited about uh, the return to training next week, which means that we're probably going to get a season happening, um, probably in late June or early July. Um, what's going to be your approach to uh, get the under-15 boys ready for round one? Well, first of all, I think getting back to training, our approach is going to be to celebrate. Uh, I know we've got to do it in restricted numbers, but I'm sure the boys are really looking forward to it. And... Uh, yeah, I, I know. I'm looking forward to it as well. It is amazing how how much when when you know the sport is such a, a regular part of your life, and when you don't have it, how much you, you miss it. And uh, obviously, you know, it's been taken out of our lives for the right reasons. But um, 
yeah, it's, uh, so I, I can imagine the kids will be jumping out of their skin. So look, we'll focus heavily on, on ball skills. Um, you know, we've missed that, that uh, I suppose, that period of time when, you know, you, you get a little bit of fitness, which we were doing through the preseason, and then we were just starting to move into, into our sort of game play, match play, and, and ball skill work. And, you know, and then, then the training season uh, stopped. So we'll have to get the ball in hand as quickly as we can and try and sharpen up those skills. Um, so when, you know, the league do announce that we're back, we probably won't have much warning. We need to be ready to go and, you know, hit our straps. And, yeah, the boys need to be, uh, uh, you know, need to be pumped and, and fired up for it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they come back in terms of their fitness because I don't think many of them have been doing much apart, apart from being in front of a screen. That's great, Matt. Now, just finally, a couple of uh, this or that type questions to finish with. Now, I know I know you're a, a pretty uh, strong Carlton supporter. Collingwood or Essendon? Neither. Collingwood or Essendon? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, I'd have to say Collingwood, I suppose. Greg Williams or Patrick Cripps? Diesel. Uh, Dennis Pagan or Mick Malthouse? Oh, please. <laughs> um, uh, Mick Malthouse. No, Dennis pa- No, Dennis Pagan. Baby Blue or Grey? Baby Blue? Yeah, I know where you're going with that. Baby Blue. Finally, I know you're, you're an Adelaide boy, so you've got to choose your uh, favourite uh, South Australian Carlton footballer, Stephen Kernahan or Craig Bradley? Well, I'll go out of the two. I'll say Stephen Kernahan, but in reality, it's actually Peter Motley. So uh, yeah, I was, I was lucky enough as a young fella to meet Peter Motley uh, after the '83 Grand Final, Sturt lost to Westies, and uh, that was my first ever uh, Grand Final I went to with my dad. And we went back to the club, and I, I met Peter Motley after that game, and uh, followed him as a young fella, followed his career, and then when he moved over to Carlton, that's when I became a, a, a diehard Blues fan, and. Of course, the tragedy of, of Motley unfolded in '87, but the Blues went on and won the flag, so that just cemented my, uh, you know, the blue blood for the rest of my life. And finally, now, if uh, Carlton doesn't win this year's AFL Premiership, who's your tip? Uh, oh, look, I don't think you can go past GWS. They, they, they've been building, you know, every year they've been getting better and better, and you know, this interrupted season is going to cause havoc. Uh, I think um, the, the one surprise might be Essendon with the number of injuries that and operations surgeries they had in the off season so they might come back a little fresher with this extended break from round one to round two uh, they'll have a lot of players back that are fit but i, I think gws is going to be too hard to beat yeah look as you say they've been building for a while thanks matt really appreciate your time and all the best with the under 15s and take care thanks very much Lynn. absolute pleasure thank you And that is the end of this week's show. Fantastic news this week with the return of football getting closer. The AFL returning in June and community football has to go ahead to start training from next week. Don't forget our co-host competition for the players. And if you have any suggestions for segments, then let me know. Thanks once again to our guests, Nick, Jacinta, Diana and Matt. That is it for this week. Go Hawks!